When I was in college, there's this guy that I knew, and his name is Tim. Good old Tim. Tim's a really nice guy. Tim, he, uh, he went to my church. He was the, one of the pastors at the church, and, and Tim said, hey, uh, we're, we're moving houses. God has you know, gifted us this awesome new house. And he's like, we're going to do all types of fun stuff with college students. He was doing the college ministry. And he said, we got a pool table. Somebody's giving us this pool table, but we need help moving the pool table. So he asked me, my dad, and a bunch of other guys to go help him move this pool table. So somebody, wherever it came from, came to Tim's house and dropped it off in his driveway. The thing about this is that the front door was too small. So what we had to do was take this pool table and go around the back. This is in Virginia, by the way, and Virginia has lots of hills, like, like a lot. I know there's hills around here, but there's even more in Virginia. So going up the backyard was this hill. We had to go up the hill carrying a pool table into the back door. And the reason why we had to do the back door is because the back door was sliding glass door, so it was bigger. So that was the task that we had to do. Have you guys ever moved a pool table before or tried to even just like lift up a pool table? Were you successful? No, because those things are heavy. Those things are really, really heavy. Because actually what, what's inside of most pool tables is this giant slab of concrete. It's crazy. It's super heavy. So we told Tim, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll help you. So we, my, my dad and I, we drove to his house with all the other guys that were going to help. And we just slowly tried to move this pool table up the hill into the backyard through the back door. Now, we picked it up. You know, one, two, three, everybody picks it up. And we're a bunch of grown men and we're struggling, right? So we take like 10 steps. And then Tim says, okay, put it down. We put it down. He's like, okay, catch your breath. And he says, hey, let's pray. Okay, so we, we pray, and Tim's praying. He says, God, thank you so much for this house that you've given my family. Thank you for this pool table. Thank you for these guys that are here that are helping me move this. Thank you for friendship. Thank you that you've given us able bodies to, to do this. Thank you that we're, that we're healthy, that you've given us a new day, that you've given us the air to breathe. Thank you for this, God. And he says, God, help us to not get hurt as we're moving this pool table. It's heavy. Help us to be safe when we do this. And he says, Amen. He's all right, here we go. One, two, three. We lift it up. We take a few more steps, 10, 15 steps. And he says, all right, put it down. So we put it down to catch our breath. And he says, hey, let's pray again. So he prays a similar prayer. God, again, thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you just for the church that we have, that, we, that we're friends. We, we know each other at the church. And thank you that these guys were willing to come and to help me move this pool table. Again, Lord, please keep us safe. Help us to not get hurt as we do this. Amen. He says, all right, let's do it again. One, two, three. Picks up the pool table. And again, after a few steps, we put it down. This happened like two more times before we got the pool table inside of his house. And then once we got the pool table inside of his house, he says, let's pray again, guys. And he prays. And he says, God, thank you for helping us do this. Thank you that you've, you've blessed this, this effort, that nobody's hurt. Thank you again for these friends of mine. Thank you that we got this done. Amen. And then we kind of hung out for a little bit, played pool for a minute, and then everybody left. So I got in the truck with my dad, and I was like, Dad, what did you, what did you think about the way that we prayed? Like a bunch, you know, moving the pool table. Like, what, what did you think about that? I was like, I kind of, like, was, I just thought it was a little bit weird. Like, I don't, I don't know why we did that. And he said, you know, actually at first, Jacob, I thought it was a little bit weird too. But the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized, God, every opportunity that we get, every single time we get a chance to stop and pray about whatever's going on, we should take that opportunity and we should pray. 
And that's always stuck with me. Now, I'm not saying that you have to walk around and every 10 steps you stop and pray. But what I am saying is that prayer should be a much more normal, frequent part of our lives to the point to where we should be praying a lot throughout our days and our thoughts shouldn't be, this isn't normal, this isn't weird. It should be a normal thing. In James chapter 5, he writes some things about prayer. We're coming up very close to the end of this book, and he says things about prayer. So let's look at our Bibles. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Here's what it says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Lots about prayer. Now the first thing he says is, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Suffering is our times. So James is building on this idea Right? It's not just not complaining, not grumbling, and trusting God, but he says, pray. Pray when you're going through a hard time. Now, why? Why is it that James says, is anyone suffering? Then pray. Why should we pray when we go through a hard time? Well, it's because God comforts you and God takes care of you through prayer. God comforts you. He takes care of you. He wants you to pray to him, to talk to him about what's going on in your life. Whenever you're having a hard time, no matter what it is, he wants for you to tell him about it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Here's a pop quiz. What does everything mean? Everything. Not a trick question. Everything means everything. Everything. Pray about it. That's what he's getting at. Pray. Whenever you're anxious, whenever you're upset, whenever you're stressed, when you're worried, when you're lonely, whatever it is that you're going through, God's word says, pray. In this prayer, you're saying, God, this is what's going on. I feel so lonely. I feel so upset. I'm anxious. I'm worried. And the promise is that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
His peace will guard you. And it'll get to a point where you don't even understand exactly how you have peace through the hard time. It's because God's word says it, it surpasses understanding. We don't even get how it works other than the fact that God is the one giving you peace. I think that I told you guys this the story about how my grandfathers, they both passed away very close uh, to each other. So 2017, my grandfathers passed away three months apart from each other, both with cancer. Really, really difficult time in my life. It was very difficult. You know, both of the funerals were hard. It was just, it was just hard, a hard time. And I was blessed to be raised in a Christian family. So the majority of my family were all Christians. And so through that time, we were praying a lot, saying, God, we're upset. We miss our, we miss our grandfathers. We, we don't understand why this had to happen, but God, help us to trust you. Help us to keep trusting you. Help us to be okay. Give us strength. Help us to get through these funerals. Help, just, Lord, help us. We need help. And God answered the prayer. He strengthened us. Our trust in him through the time, it didn't waver. And in fact, at, at one of the funerals, this one lady in particular, she approached some people in my family and she said, I can tell you guys are sad, but I can also tell that you guys are like, you're okay. You're like, you seem like you're fine, like you have peace. She said that you have peace about it. Like, how? How do you have so much peace? And the only thing we could say was, because God gives us the peace. We've been praying for it. And he's answering the prayer and giving us peace and helping us get through this hard time. We don't get it. I don't understand, but he, he's doing it and he's helping us. So there might even be times where people like that, on the outside looking into your life, they know that you're going through a hard time, but just, they might just say, how are you okay? How, this, this, this thing happened and it's terrible, but how is it that you're even okay? Look, the Bible says that God will give me peace. The Bible says God will give peace that surpasses all understanding. His peace will guard your heart from being overly discouraged and sad and lonely and depressed. You're going to feel sadness. Sadness is very real. When something bad has happened, you're going to feel sad, but God will protect you from being overly sad, from, from feeling hopeless about something. God will guard your minds from thinking thoughts that aren't good. Thoughts like, I'm worthless, no one loves me, there's no hope for me. Whenever you're praying and you're, you're going to God in prayer about these things, his peace that surpasses all understanding will guard you, will protect you. Now it's important that you understand that whenever you're suffering, and God's word says to pray, he's not saying that the prayer you should pray is a prayer of asking for it to go away. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's not saying as soon as something bad happens, you go to prayer, go to God in prayer and say, God, take it away. The prayer is for God to give you strength to endure the hard time, to get through it, for your faith to not be wavering and shaken, but to trust God through the hard times. That's the prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. And it's talking about God, of course. Think about this. God, creator God, 
God who created the heavens and the earth, God who is sovereign and in control, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, who is perfect and holy and good and just and trustworthy, He cares for you. That, to us, should just immediately make us want to praise Him. He cares for you. He cares for you so much that he says, whatever you're going through, talk to me about it. Casting your anxieties on him. That means whatever's wrong, whatever's going on, throwing it onto him. You guys ever been fishing before? You ever casted that line? You just throw it as far as you can. Or you've done a cast, a, a net. You just throw that net. Actually, I heard that's not legal in California. That's weird. I do it in Georgia all the time. Anyways, you cast it. You throw it out there. Picture that. You are throwing your anxieties onto God. As soon as something happens, you're saying, God, help me. I'm upset. I'm lonely. I need your help. I need your peace. Please help me. You're casting your anxieties onto him because he cares about you. You will never annoy God by telling him about what's wrong. There's never going to be a moment where God says, okay, I've heard enough. Okay, you need to get over this. Okay, I've heard enough. You should never be worried about that. You should never be concerned about that. I know that with people, right, that can be a concern. Maybe, maybe you've been there before where there's been a friend of yours who just won't stop talking to you about this thing, and it, and it frustrates you a little bit, and that's not the, uh, the right thing, but sometimes that's just what happens because we're, we're people and we're sinful. But God doesn't receive us that way. He says, whatever's going on, whenever it happens, all the time, tell me about it. Because I care for you. Because I want to hear about it. Because I love you. He cares for you more than you will ever know. He wants you to tell him whenever you're going through a hard time. He wants to hear about what's going on in your life. He will take care of you because he cares for you. Because he loves you. Philippians 4.13 It's a popular verse. You've probably heard it. It says, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. Now that verse, what we've done with this verse, specifically in our culture, in our country today, is that we've put it on the back of sports jerseys, and we've thrown it around, and we've said, I can win this game because Christ gives me strength. I can hit a home run because Christ gives me strength. That's not what that verse means. It's not what it's intended to mean. Okay, We've taken that verse and changed it, made it into this thing that's not what that means. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote that verse. And he wrote it when he was in prison. And the context around it is he's talking about how he's been brought very low. He's gone through really hard times. And if you've read the book of Acts, and, and, and you know the story of Paul, then you know that's true. You know that the guy was shipwrecked, and he was bitten by a venomous snake. He was stoned almost to the point of death. He was in prison multiple times for preaching the gospel. He said, I've been brought to these low, low moments. But then he says, I know how to be content in the moment. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was in prison, I'm sure, and he was praying these prayers. God, help me to trust you right now. I'm lonely in prison. I'm in pain because they're beating me up. Help me to trust you. In the the verse that we read, by the way, Philippians talks about 
the peace that surpasses all understanding, Paul wrote that too. He lived through it. He's going through this. And he's saying the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. He felt that. It was real for him. This is a real promise in Scripture for us, for Christians, that when you're going through a hard time, you pray about it. God will give you the peace to get through it. He'll give you the strength to get through the hard times. And not just to get through it, but for your faith to be stronger on the other side. You have to understand and you have to believe that prayer works. That prayer works. God listens to you. Every single time you bow your head in prayer and you pray, he hears you. Every Christian across the entire world could right now at this moment bow your head and pray to God and he would hear every single one of those prayers individually. It wouldn't just be like a big crowd of people talking. He would hear you and listen to you. God is actively involved in your life. He's not some distant, far-off old guy with a beard in the sky like the world makes him out to be. He's involved in your life. He's listening to you. He's caring for you. He's protecting you. He's guarding you. He's giving you peace. You've got to understand that this is real, that prayer works, that when you need comfort, God gives it. He really hears you. When you're lonely, he comforts you. When you're anxious, he gives you peace. You just have to make sure that you're actually praying. That you're actually going to God with these things. Prayer is, there's a statistic, I don't know the actual numbers, but essentially it says prayer is the most underutilized gift that we have as Christians. That We just don't use it a whole lot. And that's not how it should be. It's a shame that that's the truth. Make sure you're actually praying about these things. So it says, when you're suffering, let him pray. But then James says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Cheerful means happy. It means glad. It's the opposite of suffering. So we have suffering. What's the proper response in suffering? Pray. The opposite of suffering. When you're cheerful, when you're happy, when everything's great, what's the proper response? Praise God. More prayer. It could be actually singing Praises to God through a song. Could be praying and praising God in, in, in your prayer. Praying and saying, God, thank you for showing me your kindness in this. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for the joy that I have. Thank you. Now, when life is hard, it's really easy to turn to God. And like I said, we should turn to God when, when life is hard. But we can't forget that we should also be praying to God when life is great too. It's very easy just to, just to only go to God when you need something. But we shouldn't treat God like that. How often are you saying thank you to God when life is great? When, when you're not facing any problems or issues, how often are you just saying, God, thank you. You're so kind to me. I know at some point problems are going to come, but right now, I, there's, there's nothing, and, and I thank you. Saying thank you to God when you're cheerful, when you're happy. Imagine if your friends only came to you when they needed something. Imagine that was the only time they ever spoke to you was when they needed something. 
Hey, I need, I need some money. I need to buy a snack. Give me some money to buy a snack. Hey, I need a ride. Hey, I need this. I need that. I need that. Wouldn't that get kind of exhausting? Wouldn't you feel like your friends are only coming to you because they need something or want something out of it? Isn't it so much better whenever it's a mix of you and your friends saying, I need something, but also just enjoying their company, hanging out? You understand that? Sometimes we can treat God like that. We can treat God like a vending machine or like Santa Claus. Just going to him when you need something, but never actually going to him just to say thank you. Just to sing his praises, to praise him for how great and how awesome he is. Should we be doing both? When you're cheerful, pray. When you're suffering, pray. It's so easy to take God's kindness for granted. It's so easy to forget that he's the reason why you have anything good in your life at all. Anything good that you have, God gave it to you. I'm not just talking about things, like material things. I'm talking about the fact that you woke up this morning. Everybody take a deep breath in. Let it out. God gave that to you. And that's a gift. We can't, we can't just forget that, but we do. We go through life taking his kindness for granted. So don't forget to thank God. Don't forget to say thank you, God, for his goodness whenever you're cheerful, whenever you're happy. So we have pray whenever you're suffering. Pray whenever you're cheerful. And there's one more thing. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So here's the third circumstance, whenever you're sick. Now, this word, sick, don't think just like I have the flu, sick. Think also when you're weary, when you're tired, when you're just having a hard time and you just don't want to move on anymore. Think about that. That's, that's what James is talking about. Whenever you're feeble, whenever you're needy. Because again, James is writing to Christians who are going through this. They're weak, they're tired, they're feeble, right? These are the Christians who are dispersed across the land because of persecution. Some of them are running for their lives. Some of them have seen their, their friends and their family go to jail and be killed for their faith in Jesus. So that's what James is writing to. So if someone is sick, weak, feeble, pray. Now, that, of course, does mean if, if, if you are in that situation, you personally need to be praying about it. That's a proper response. But then here, he takes it a step further. And he says, instead of this sick person just praying for themselves, he says, call the elders of the church. Call these elders and have them pray over you. Think elder, think of a pastor. Call the pastors of your church, the leaders of your church, and have them come and pray over you. And it says they will anoint with oil. There's no magic healing ingredients in this oil, okay? Now, I know when we read that, we go, what? I mean, think about, like, if you were sick, and, and you called your small group leader, or you called me or, or another pastor, you said, hey, I'm feeling sick, can you come pray for me? And let's say that I walk in your front door, and I have this thing of oil, and I'm like, all right, here, let me dump this on your head. You'd probably be like, what? I didn't ask for that. I just wanted you to pray for me. I don't know. Well, this is weird. To us, it's weird to think about that. But to them, this was a very normal thing. Oil was used 
to, uh, to, to bring relief. Oil was used to heal cuts and bruises. In fact, the, the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells, that parable, what does the Good Samaritan do? He pours oil and wine on the cuts and bruises of the man who had been beat up. It's like, it's medicine. It's soothing. It's, it's helpful. This oil, they would pour it on their head and they would massage their head and it would soothe so what James is saying is that the elders, the pastors are going to come and pray for you, but they should bring oil to help, right? Just think of medicine. When you guys are sick, you take medicine, probably. You have a headache, you take Tylenol, ibuprofen, something, Advil, Excedrin. I get headaches a lot. That's why I know all those medicines. Think about that. It's just a medicinal thing. The, the main point of these verses, though, listen, we can read this verse, we can go, oh, the oil, there's that silk, oh, it's cool, there's the oil, this, that, that must be the main point. It's not the main point. The main point of that verse is still prayer. Prayer is the main point. Now, Christians need to be in the habit of praying for everything. Everything. Are you going through a hard time? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Are you weak? Are you tired? Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Ceasing means stopping. Pray without ceasing. Pray throughout your day. You guys ever just woken up on the wrong side of the bed? You just wake up and you're like, Oh, I don't want to be awake right now. Been there before? Me too. Right then and there, what we should do is pray. Lord, I don't feel like I'm in a great mood. I don't know why. I don't want to feel this way. So God, help me to be joyful right now. Help me to not be upset. Help me to not lash out today in anger. Help me to be kind to my siblings and my parents. Help me. Maybe it's a situation where you woke up and you were in a fine mood, and then 10 minutes later you get in an argument with your parents and you go to school and you're in a bad mood. Pray. God, I don't want to be in a bad mood. Help me to be joyful today. Help me to be kind today. Help me, help me to just think about your kindness and your goodness, and I don't want to be in a bad mood. Maybe you're stressed about something in school. Maybe you're stressed about a family situation. Maybe you're anxious about something. Pray. As you're going throughout your day and someone tells you, hey, I'm kind of having a hard time, pray. Either stop and pray with that person or pray in your head. When your parents tell you about somebody in your family that's sick, pray. When you hear about a neighbor that's in need, pray. Right then and there. You don't have to stop and bow your head. Just pray. Pray. God hears you. You're walking through your hallways at school. Be praying. Pray without ceasing. Does something good happen to you? Did you get an A on a test? Did you, did you make the team? Did you win a game? Did you make a new friend? Did something good happen? Stop and pray and say, thank you, God. Thank you for showing me your kindness. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you. Praying without ceasing doesn't mean you just pray 24 hours a day, just constant prayer. It means you are praying every chance you get. Every opportunity that you have, every time something happens, your response is pray. That's what Christians should be doing. That's what God wants from us. Because he cares. He cares for you so deeply that that's what he wants. He wants to hear from you over and over and over and over throughout your day. Now, I know that if you're, if you're at a point in life where you're just thinking to yourself right now, like, I'm not really praying a whole lot. To hear me say, pray without ceasing, that can be a daunting thing. Like, whoa, I don't pray hardly at all, and now I'm supposed to pray without ceasing? Whoa. 
here's what I want you to do. You, have, you just have to start somewhere. Okay, so let's just get very practical for a second, okay? Schedule time to pray. Think about your day. Think about when do I have just 10 minutes in my day where I can have uninterrupted time of prayer. And when that time comes, go to your room, shut the door, put your phone away, set a timer. 10 minutes. Just pray until that timer goes off. Start, just start there. Get a pen and paper and just write down all the prayer requests that you can think of. Everything going on in your life that you need prayer for. Ask your friends, ask your parents, ask your siblings what do you need prayer for. Think about anything you can think of that you need to pray for. Write it all down. And then when that timer starts, pray through it. And that list is going to get really big. And then what you can start to do is say, okay, these are for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the week. So then you're praying every day and you've got different things that you're praying for and it's just 10 minutes a day. And as you're getting in a habit of doing that, guess what? 10 minutes is going to turn into 15, it's going to turn into 20. It's going to start to get to be more time. And as you're making it a habit to pray, you're going to start to realize that you're beginning to do this praying without ceasing thing. You've got to start somewhere. Like I said, ask your friends and family how you can pray for them. Think about people in your life that don't know Jesus. Mondays could be the day that you pray for your lost friends and family. Pray for your small group leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your teachers. Pray for anything. Now, another thing that you can do is praying through Scripture. I'm going to show you what I mean. I want you to flip over to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Flip over there. probably have heard this psalm before, you've probably read it before, and most likely you've heard a sermon on it before. Now here's what I mean when I say pray through scripture. These verses say, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Praying through scripture looks like this, God, help me to not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Help me not to be involved with the wrong people. Help me to love sinners, God, but help me to not be influenced by them. Lord, help me to have my delight in your law. God's law is his word. It's the Bible. Help me to love the Bible, God. Help me to love reading the Bible. Help me to love it so much that it's where my delight comes from. And help me to meditate on the Bible. Now listen, meditating on God's word doesn't mean the whole, oh, meditating. Meditating means thinking deeply about so it's, God, help me to think deeply about your word. Help me to remember what I read and be thinking about it through my day. I would recommend just praying through the entire book of Psalms. If you're like, I want to pray, but I don't know what to do, open up to Psalm and just pray through it. Start there. And here's another thing. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I've got you flipping all over the place, but this is, this is also important. Matthew chapter 6. You guys have heard of the Lord's Prayer before? Lord's Prayer, you guys have the Lord's Prayer memorized maybe? Anybody have it memorized? Yeah. So the Lord's Prayer, the thing about the Lord's Prayer is Jesus didn't give us that prayer just to repeat it over and over again. It's not wrong to repeat it. It's not a bad thing to do that. But again, that's not the point of it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 says, pray then like this. Jesus is 
teaching us how to pray. He was teaching his disciples how to pray. He didn't say, repeat after me. He said, pray in this manner. Pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are main sections of this prayer that we should model in our prayer life. The first being praising God. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. So he's praising God the Father. He's saying, God, you are holy. You are perfect. So when you're praying, make the first thing you do, praising God. God, you are so good to me. You're so wonderful. Thank you for how you've blessed me. You are good. You are holy. You are perfect. You are just. Praying to God. Praising him. And then the next thing Jesus does is he's praying for God's will to be done. Before you get to asking God, going through your request of prayers, you have to say, God, above all, let your will be done. Help me to be content with your will. Even if it doesn't match to what I want, help me to know that you know what's best and to trust you. Your will be done, God. And then you're asking God for your needs. Now, I'm saying needs and not wants. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. When there's things in your life that you need, ask God to meet those needs. Now, it's not wrong to pray and ask God for things that you want. If you want more friends, if you want success and Pray about it, and you have to say, God, your will be done. If I don't make this team, then it wasn't your will, and help me to be content with that. We can't treat God like Santa Claus. This isn't praying, God, help me to have a Lamborghini and a million dollars. Nothing like that. Meeting your needs. And then we have confessing your sin to God, asking for forgiveness. This is when you say, God, today I sinned a lot. I lied to my parents. I cheated on my test. I was saying some curse words at school. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me of my sin. This is an opportunity for you to confess your sin to God, and God will forgive you. And then the last thing, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's asking God for help to follow him, help to obey him. That's what you're saying. God, help me to obey you today. Help me to not fall into temptation today. I know that I'm going to be faced with so many different temptations. Help me to say no. Help me to see the way out. Help me, God, to not fall into sin. I'm going to show you one more thing. We've got this slide up here. Um, go ahead and put it up. If you've got it, please. A-C-T-S, Acts. Okay? I want you to write this down. because This will help you in your prayer life. A lot of times I use this in my prayer life. A stands for adore. Adore means worship and praise. You're adoring God. You're praising him for him being who he is, like we talked about already. And then you move on to confess, confessing your sin to God. And then you're moving on to thanking God for everything he's done for you, for all the blessings he's given you. And then S stands for supplicate. And supplicate means to ask. Asking for something in humility. Again, you have to remember that when you are asking God for things, it has to be done in humility. You cannot demand things from God. You cannot say, God, you better give me this. God, if you don't give me this, I'm going to be mad. We're not saying anything like that. We're saying, God, in humility, I'm asking for whatever it is that you're asking for.
adore, confess, think, supplicate. You guys got that written down? You can take a picture of it if you need to, but we're going to move on. I know that was a lot to get to our first point, but here's our first point. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Everything in your life, pray about it. Now we're going to speedily get through the rest of these verses. James says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So let's talk about this prayer of faith. Here is what it is not. This verse is not guaranteeing that God will heal every one of their sicknesses all the time. People will take this verse and they'll say, See, if you pray and you have faith, then God will give you your healing. He'll give you whatever you want. All you have to do is have enough faith. That's not what the verse is communicating. That's not, that's not the truth. There will be people, you've probably seen pastors on TV who wear the expensive suits and they drive nice cars and have the private jets. And they'll say things like this. Some people have asked these, these pastors, they've said, why, why didn't my dad survive? I prayed for my dad to live, but he still died. And these pastors will say, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Or they'll say, it's because your dad didn't have enough faith. And that causes people to have a faith crisis. It causes people to hate God because it's not representing God correctly. We have to understand that sometimes it's not God's will to heal. Again, we're praying, God, let your will be done in everything. Now, prayer of faith, praying a prayer of faith, it does include having confidence that God has the ability to answer your prayer. You understand that he has the power that if it is his will, that he will accomplish it because of his power. So when you pray, you need to pray with faith that God is powerful enough to answer. James 1, read this a long time ago, James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So when you're praying and asking God for things, you should never say, God, I'm asking for this, but I know that you probably aren't going to do it. I know it might be too much to ask, but please, if you could, it'd be good if you did this, but I mean, you probably won't. That's not the proper way to pray. You go to God and you, and you pray with confidence that he's hearing you and that he has the power to answer that prayer. So when you're having a hard day, ask God to give you peace and comfort and have the faith that he will answer that prayer. Don't doubt it. Pray for God to heal the sick. Pray for God to, to answer these prayers and have the confidence that he can but all along, you're saying, God, if it's your will, it's your will. And being content with his will. So a prayer of faith, it's having faith that he has the power to answer the prayer. But it's also having confidence that God's will is perfect. So you're praying with faith that God can answer. But it's faith in the sense of, I'm going to have faith in you regardless of the outcome. Because I know that you know what is best for me. You may think that you know what's best for you. You may think that you know exactly what should happen with your life, but you are not God. You don't have God's wisdom. God knows what's best for you. Sometimes it's not even going to seem anything close to what's best for you, but it is. Trust that. Have faith in that. So a true prayer of faith will sound like this. Let's say that, let's say that my grandmother was sick. This is an example of what a prayer of faith may sound like. God, please heal my grandma of her sickness 
I know that you have the power to heal her, so please do. But most importantly, let your will be done. I know that you know best, and your will is what is best. You understand that? The prayer of faith. You have to understand it's not always God's will to heal the sick. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians where Paul, he's, he says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what the thorn was. There's lots of speculation, but it was some kind of something that was happening to his body probably that he was asking God to take away. Some people think his eyes had a problem or he was sick or something like that. He was saying, God, please take this away. Please heal me. He said, I asked God three times and he didn't take it away. But his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. That's what Paul said. So God said, I'm not going to take it away. It's not my will to take this thorn away from you. But Paul's response was, I trust you, God. I, I, I have faith in you, that you know what's best for me. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, I have faith in you. And then it says there that if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There's a belief that the Jews had back then that sickness was always a result of sin. If you've read the story of Job, then you know that there was a time where his friends were saying, confess your sin, Job. That's why you're sick. Quit lying to us. And Job was saying, no, I, I, I have, there's nothing. I'm not hiding a secret sin. I'm not doing anything like that. They were saying, no, you must be because you're, all of these bad things are happening to you, so you must have sin. They had this belief that that was always the case. Well, when Jesus comes on the scene, he teaches that that's not the case. That sickness is not always the result of sin. Sometimes it could be, but it's not always. So James includes that to say, and if there is sin, he will be forgiven. To say that it's not always the reason why that somebody might be sick. Right? And then he talks about confessing sin. It's an important thing to be confessing your sin to each other. Now, I'm not suggesting that you get on stage one by one and announce your sins to the whole room. That's not what I'm saying. But what, it, it, what is important is for you to have people that you trust. You have a small group. You have a leader that you trust. You have friends in your group that you trust. If you're going through something, if you're holding on to some secret sin, the Bible says, God's word says, to confess that. Confessing it to someone It'll help you to fight back against it. You can find accountability through these things. And then it talks about finding healing through these confessions. Whenever you're hiding on to some secret sin, you know that's not a good feeling, that you feel like you're just being fake, you feel like you're, you're paranoid, you're looking, you've been there before probably. But whenever you come and you confess the sin to someone, that, it's, it's a relief, it's, it's out there. You don't have to worry about this feeling anymore. So it's important to go to someone you trust and to say, hey, I've, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm holding on to this sin, I know it's wrong and I want to stop. I need, I need help. And a godly friend is going to say, all right, I'm going to help you stop. Confessing sin, it's, it's important to do that. But then, not just confessing, the verse says to be praying for one another about it. So if a friend of yours confesses something to you, be praying for that person. Say, okay, let's pray right now. Keep praying for that person. Again, guys, what is the emphasis here? Prayer. He's emphasizing prayer again. So number two, here's number two. Pray with faith. Pray about everything and pray with faith. 
the last few verses, a couple verses, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, a righteous person, it says the prayer of a righteous person. A righteous person is a Christian. Christians have been made right before God. You've been justified. That's, that's, the, that's what it is. Being a Christian, you're made right before God. So the prayer of a Christian is powerful. Your prayers are not powerful because of you. Your prayers are powerful because of the one that you're praying to. Because God has the power. He has all power. He is all powerful. None is more powerful than God. He is the reason why prayer is powerful. So nobody can read this verse and say, oh, my prayers are better than yours because I'm more righteous than you. No, that's not the point. The point is to say the prayers of Christians are powerful because God is powerful. He talks about the story of Elijah. That story is found in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. The situation is that God says there's going to be a drought in the land because they're committing idolatry. They're worshiping other gods, and there's going to be a drought. So he tells this to Elijah, and then it says, Elijah fervently prayed for this to come to pass. Fervently prayed. So first of all, your prayers should be fervent. They should be passionate. They should be energetic. I'm not saying you have to be like over the top, like, God, yeah, I'm praying. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if you're falling asleep in your prayers, you're not giving God the attention he deserves. Get out of bed when you're praying. Don't lay down. Trust me. Just trust me. I'm t- t- learning from my mistakes. Don't make it a habit to lay down in bed and pray because you're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to go, oh, whoa, what happened? I fell asleep. Pray fervently. Pray with passion. And then it says that Elijah, he had a nature like ours. Elijah was human. Understand? Sometimes whenever we read these stories in the Old Testament about these people, we can put them up on a pedestal like they're some superhuman. But James is saying, Elijah is just a dude. He's just a normal guy. His prayers were answered powerfully because God is powerful, not because of him. So your prayers as Christians are powerful. God is powerful. Number three, believe that prayer is powerful. Pray about everything. Pray with faith and believe that prayer is powerful. And when you really do believe that prayer is powerful because God is powerful, then you're going to be praying. Your prayer life is going to change. It's going to get better. So commit to prayer this week. Like I said, just 10, if you're not praying at all, timer, 10 minutes, start there. Pray about everything. Pray with faith. Believe that prayer is powerful. Let's pray. God, thank you that we have the gift and we have the ability to come before you in prayer. Jesus, thank you that you have come to save us, that that you came and the curtain, the veil was torn, that now any of us, any Christian can pray to God the Father. Help us to understand how much of a privilege that is and how amazing that is. Help us to be people of prayer. God, help us to pray about everything Help us to pray 
in faith. Help us to believe that prayer is powerful. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.